0: He's got a beautiful backswing.
1: Dad! oh, he got all of that one.
0: Oh my gosh. That is amazing. Layup with an iron into the hazard. <laughs> oh
2: my God, you had to deal with the golf course people too. Well, that wasn't quite what I meant, you know? What's up everybody? Welcome into another edition of the 73rd hole. Colby Powell, Taylor Williams, Sam Humphries with you. As always, of course, we are the official podcast of Golf Oklahoma. Head over to GolfOklahoma.org. Check out the absolute best coverage of all things golf in the state. Uh, Some good things going on for the state of Oklahoma. GolfOklahoma.org. Alright, it's going to be a little bit different today. I'm down here in Broken Bow for a few days, so Sam, Taylor, and myself joining up via Zoom this morning to recap Billy Horschel's win at the World Golf Championships Dell Technologies match play, taking down Scotty Scheffler 2-1 and one in the finals. And Taylor, it was really a pretty uh, exciting first few days. Uh, kept going through the weekend, probably not the big names that the ratings folks at NBC would have liked, but still turned in to what was a pretty good tournament.
0: Oh man! it was yeah i mean we we tried to prognosticate on our on our previous show who would come out of these each of these groups, and we talked about how there was like a you know essentially a twenty five percent chance for each player to move on, and you know when you look at when the, who I was picking, it seemed like there was about a five percent chance to move on because it seemed like everyone I picked just couldn't win a match i think I think three or four of the guys that I picked to move on from the group didn't even win a match didn't even have a match, I think they lost all three of their matches i mean this it was some bad golf being played by some guys, but Look at the guys in the top, guys. I mean, Billy Horschel. I'll give a shout-out my dad, Randy. He, he told me to pick Horschel before the week started. I kind of laughed at him, and what do you know? He collected, he's collected $1.8 million um, for, for Horschel and the one-and-done pick. Um, one of the big storylines yesterday that old Paul Egzinger kept bringing up, which I thought was funny, was, was that Victor Perez needed to finish solo third to get full PGA Tour exempt status for the rest of the year, and his loss to Matt Kuchar did not enable him to get that full exempt status. So, I just thought it was funny how it seemed like every single time Paul Azinger came on and they shared that consolation match, that's what he talked about. So <laughs> I, I found that pretty funny. And, you know, there's so many things going on. Uh, you got Kevin Nong not giving a, a 16-inch putt or a 6-inch putt. Kind of you have Sergio holeing out in a playoff to move on. I mean, all in all, it was a very exciting tournament. But you look at the guys up at the top, kind of like you said, Colby, this was not NBC's uh, dream uh, dream Sunday or maybe even Saturday groupings that they had to, if they had to choose. Yeah,
1: T-Dub, I, I totally agree. You know, I, 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 was, I was thinking, I was talking to y'all, I think, about this, that the first couple of days of the match play are some of the most exciting, the first three days of the match play are some of the most exciting golf you get to watch on TV. But once it gets to the weekend, it's some of the most boring golf you get to watch on TV, unless you have some great match, but you're all banking on two matches being great. Um, so, you know, I saw a lot of talk on Twitter after the first couple of days About why wouldn't we have a major that's uh, that's a match play? Well, I think that that this is why you know because it it can get a little boring coming down the stretch on Sunday. But
0: yeah, you're right. I think it can. I think that yeah, whenever you only get because we had talked about this just off air a couple times, you know, getting a a major that would be and it's kind of funny how we were talking about it, you know, on like Wednesday and Thursday, and then social media blows up with the topic of which which major should be. Um, should have match play and there's just there'd be so many logistics going into it i have a lot of ideas but i think that's honestly for another show to get into and my idea for it would be the pga championship and there are ways that you that could do it um but i mean it's just the the fact that match play is so unpredictable and it's just the the talent gap between players the talent gap between dj at number one and who was 64 robert mcintyre or whoever the last one in the field was this week, even um, I'm trying to look, Matt Kuchar is fifty-six. Who came out of that group? By <laughs> exactly. <the way. laughs> yeah. Right. And and so we were. Yeah. I mean, it just compared to like the NCAA bracket when a an eight seed beats a one seed or a six a fifteen seed, like Will Roberts goes through and almost makes it to the elite eight. It seems like such a shock, but whenever you're dealing with the sixty-four best golfers in the world, I mean, they can make birdies on any hole at any given point, and it makes it interesting. While at the same time. You know, we have stories like our boy Brian Harmon, who seemed to have played good every single round, and the matches he either lost or had because the guys he was going against are shuttered like nine or 10 under, you know. So, I mean, I mean, Sam, you can reiterate to that. I'm sure you played a few match play matches where you were doing good and you got your ass kicked. Yeah,
1: 100%. Well, one time, I'll just say real quick one time I won uh, eight and seven and lost eight and seven in the same day. The person I lost to was quite late on the second round. But, anyways. <laughs> But what I but what I'm saying, what I wanted to say was, in match play, lasts so long. I mean, by the time it gets to that final match, it's like you you are. Uh, it, it, it's like everybody's getting lonely because, like Antoine Rosner, when we talk about Antoine Rosner, that seems like a year ago. Ever since he won that first match against Desandro, so um, a heck of a week by uh, by Horsel. I mean, that was just unbelievable uh, to come out of that and win the whole thing.
2: Yeah, and the way that they're doing. Yeah, the I mean, there's now. no doubt about. It. I was just going to say, Taylor, with the way that they're doing the match play now, you you know, you've got the 16 groups, so you've got the top 16 players in the world are the highest-seeded player in each group, and only one of the top 16 players in the world even came out of group play and got into the bracket stage, and that was John Rahm, who then got himself bounced once he got into the brackets. But it it was just – it was really the week of the underdogs. We saw it on day one, Sam, with your boy Antoine Rosner, and then we continued to see upsets throughout. You know, Justin Thomas didn't play  – very good golf. Rory McIlroy didn't play very good golf. Dustin Johnson didn't play very good golf. Uh, A lot of guys. Colin Morikawa wasn't really doing much uh, that was inspiring. Billy Horschel actually came out of his group and went on to win the tournament. So, uh, Sam, I know last Wednesday, whenever we were watching, had to have been cool to watch uh, your UMKC buddy, Antoine Rosner, take down big bad Bryson DeChambeau.
1: I mean, that was great. And then the shot he hit on 18 up over the tree. Uh, That was pretty special. But then Bryson screwing Tony over in the final in the final round of group play. Uh, all Bryson, you know, had to do was win his match. Uh, who was he playing? Who was Fleetwood, Bryson playing in that, in that group play in the in the last round of the group play? Tommy Fleetwood. Yeah. Fairway Yeah. Jesus. yeah he's playing Fairway Jesus, and 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 Bryson
0: three putts and in up letting Fleetwood win that group. He screwed over Tony. Yeah, I mean, it was, it's so funny because it was put in a situation where I don't know how much soccer y'all watch, but like when the World Cup comes around and they get getting the group play and it's like some teams can just tie to move on because of the way the standings work. And you notice that a couple of times, where guys could, could move on just from having a match. And, you know, I find, I find that stuff fairly interesting. And, you know, one thing guys, I want to vent on just, just before that we move on to any topics and. You know, in a situation where it benefited me in our pools, which I, and I'm still just going to talk complete shit against it. Whenever you have two players who have the same record in group play, and you do not go with head to head as the result, it is so freaking stupid. It's unbelievable.
1: It's Kevin stupid, and but to answer. have the
0: Sergio The Sergio. Yeah, you you eliminate stuff like that. But you don't and, and at least then Sergio beat Westwood whenever they played to move on. But like here's my example. Kevin Strimman and Abraham Answer. They both go they both go finish two and one in the group. Answer beat Strimm on the first day by Lord knows how many. And they going to go into the freaking playoff and Strimm wins. And both of y'all had Abraham Answer, so it's like I should be rooting for Strimming here and I should love the way this worked out. But it's just so stupid. Abraham Answer kicked Striblin's ass for eighteen holes or fifteen holes, how many ever they played? Why do they have to go to one extra hole for a playoff just for excitement? And that's going to determine so many FedEx points, money, everything. It's just, I mean, look at it. I think same situation for Horschel, even though Horschel won the match that he played against, against the opponent. Horschel doesn't win that play. Let, let's just say the roles were flipped. And the guy who, whoever will beat in the playoff, I'm getting off the top of my head. Let's say he beat Horschel when they were playing. And then it flip-flops or whatever. Next thing you know, Horschel's not even in the damn uh, round of 16 just because of one playoff. I mean, it just, yeah. I don't know, guys. Y'all can relate to me on that a little bit. I know there's some instances, like, like for example, the uh, the Rom uh, Ryan Palmer match. You know, they were they were two and oh, Then they halved their match yesterday, so or on uh, Friday. So obviously, they would go to extra holes in their instances. But when you're both two and one, and there's one person who beat the other person, let the other person move on.
2: Come on. I mean, I know yeah. it's exciting, but this is a little ridiculous. I mean, I agree. what do y'all think about that, Colby? Yeah, I mean, I I definitely agree. I think that the entertainment factor is why they do it. Friday is the best day of this tournament. Friday, you get all these matches coming down to the wire. We ended up having, it was eight or nine of the groups, go into a sudden death playoff. And sudden death match play playoffs, that's where all the excitement's at. The excitement's not Sunday when Billy Horschel's two up through nine on Scheffler and coast to a 2 and one win. The excitement's Friday whenever you have 16, 18 guys, however many it was, going into these sudden death playoffs with their tournament lives on the line and, you know, some guys like Abraham Answer end up getting screwed. I, I just. <sighs> It's an entertainment product, and I think we have to keep that in mind that it is an entertainment product. It just sucks for a guy like Abraham Answer, uh, and you know you could play devil's advocate and say he was three up on the back nine against Hovland, he should have won his match, or and he would have ad- advanced. But like you said, he, he should have won that match. He should have so won that learn. match, but he beat Strillman pretty bad whenever they played on Wednesday. So I would have rather seen Answer get in to the Sweet Sixteen over Strillman. But I understand why they do it the way they do it because it is an entertainment product, and uh, they, they've got to make money
1: the The only thing I do like about uh, the group play, I mean, I don't like it as much as I thought I did before. After seeing how it kind of played out, like with Antoine getting screwed and everything, but but the one thing that's good about it is, um, you know, it, it's going to create a better field because it guarantees these guys three rounds of at least competitive golf coming up before the Masters. Two weeks before the Masters, you're going to get a better field if you guarantee these guys three three rounds instead of just saying, oh, you can come play 13 holes and travel across the country
0: and have to go home. Yeah, I, I completely agree with that. I think that the move to pool play has definitely been, has been beneficial. It's just that, you know, I mean, I'm trying to scroll through here and see like, like Daniel Berger and Eric Van was another match that was the same way. Um, let me see through here. Obviously you mentioned Sergio and Westwood. Um, Brian Harmon, Patrick Cantlay was another example of, of both guys, two and one. Um, let's see, Westwood, Sergio scrolling through here. Um, Let's see. Uh Shop uh this this one that really was a little different. chef uh Shefley and Shoffley and I Try saying that was <laughs> really fast. Um, they were both one, oh, and two, so they went to a playoff um on, on Friday. And then like I said, we mentioned uh Horschel and Homa. Um and, and so yeah, I mean guys, I just I, and it would sting a lot more if I had the other guy picked that lost. And I understand the drama side of it and just, it's just it's just the logistics of it man. It's just it's frustrating. I understand that it makes for great entertainment and it, it really sets up good for the weekend. But I man guys I, I'm just I'm just about who most deserves it most and who actually played the best in the pool. And then I don't I don't know what'd be a, a better tiebreaker than head to head. I just don't think going to an extra eight and nineteenth hole as exciting as it was. And you know obviously Sergio making the ace makes it look super, super exciting, right? I mean that's as great as it gets. But how many times are you going to go into a playoff and an ace wins? You know, I mean, it's just it's so seldom, <laughs> and and you know, it's great drama, great excitement. But man, it's I don't know, it's just one of those things that it's just itching at my blood a little bit. And it's something that I should be more mad about than I am, especially for the fact that all the golfers that I picked with to majors. no matter if this rule was changed or not. Yeah, I might pick some
1: day and Hatton. They uh, they were throwing up all all over themselves in that in that group play. Did you see Westwood's tweet after uh, Fleetwood made the ace yes. the next day after Sergio made the ace funny? He's like, I wish, I, I wish I could say I've never seen this before, you know. <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah, it was great. He's like, you he get
0: ace on two days in a row.
1: That's pretty
2: fun. Right. He's like, I thought I'd seen everything in the game of golf. I guess I hadn't. Uh, yeah, that's Taylor Williams, Sam Humphries. I'm Colby Powell. This is 73rd Hole, the official podcast of Golf Oklahoma. We run. We want to remind everyone to go out and see the team at Diffie Ford Lincoln in El, Re- in El Reno. Pardon me. The Diffie Ford Lincoln team is pleased to announce that they have won the prestigious President's Award for 2020. The Diffie team is very honored to win this award because it is based on sales and service, and that is what they pride themselves on, service after the the Ford Lincoln brand, only give this award out to the top dealers in the nation, and the Diffie organization is the only dealer in the entire state of Oklahoma that received this award in both Ford and Lincoln in the same year. So whether you're looking for the all-new 2021 F-150 or the all-new Lincoln Navigator, give the Diffie family a try, a place where you can deal directly with the owner, Lane Diffie, and also a place where you will never feel any pressure to buy. Diffie Ford Lincoln, just 20 minutes west of the metro, serving Oklahoma for $67. and years. Gentlemen, we did have a couple of rules uh, incidents at the WGC match play this week, as we do seemingly every year in match play, because the rules are a little different, and everyone's not always prepared for them. So let's start with Kevin Na and Dustin Johnson, Uh, and and I want to give you all the comments that came out today from Gary Young, which is the tour vice president of rules and competitions. He said that he was really surprised whenever he heard Kevin Na's comments that they discussed the putt that wasn't given but was given, and he decided to concede it and do all that. And Gary Young, the, the vice president of Rules and Competitions, said we saw Kevin's interview, and we were a little bit surprised to hear his answer because we never got clarification on exactly what was said. Two players can't just agree that a putt was conceded afterwards. So he actually called Dustin Johnson, asked him what happened. DJ said that it was breezy, and after he hit the putt and started walking, he thought he heard Kevin Na say, "That's good." Of course, Kevin Nod didn't, and. You know, Young emphasized to both the players why the concessions need to be clear. Uh, and he actually went as far as to say that if Dustin had just scooped it and didn't think that he had heard anything and they agreed to have the hole afterward, they both would have been disqualified from the tournament because you're not allowed to do that afterward. Tyler, we'll start with you. What do you think of this whole rule scenario, the way Kevin Knott and DJ handled it, and then the agreement to concede the putt uh, after the fact? Well, what do you think of what took place on Friday? Between these two,
0: yeah, very very fascinating stuff when you think about it. You look, at, there's so many different things: stroke play and match play. Just another reason why the rules of golf just need to be a little bit of revamped, just because it can be so so damn confusing. And you know, the first thing I thought about it was was that um, what was it the um, the Solheim Cup a few years ago when Suzanne Pedersen got ripped because she tried to um, I can't remember the lady's name who missed the putt and then she picked it up and didn't give it to her. And there was this whole big thing about sportsmanship about how I mean, she just got ripped for it. She had to come out of public apologies, all this stuff. Suzanne Patterson did. It was a pretty big deal. And, you know, when I'm watching it, and so, you know, DJ just picks up the putt. And also, the biggest thing is, you know, you say it's windy, you think you hear it. There's a big difference between saying that's good and good putt, right? Because you can say someone hit a good shot or hit a good putt, and it's up by the hole, like two or three feet. But that doesn't mean pick it up, it's good. So maybe Kevin Knopf said good putt and he just did it or whatever. Maybe it's just instinct. Maybe DJ's lying and just picked it up out of instinct because it's like a three-inch putt. Um, But like I said, the way I see it was that Kevin Knopf wasn't trying to make him lose the hole. I think Kevin was just trying to say, hey, I have this two and a half foot putt here that you're going to make me putt. Why don't I pick this up? You know, you give it to me like I gave you that six incher that, that I technically didn't give you. And let's just move on from there. And, You know, I think that whenever you actually do get into the rules of golf, like you say, there's so many things in match play that are in stroke play that would be two-shot penalties, but in match play, they're just straight-up loss of hole, which is so freaking penalizing. It's unbelievable. But that, with it being that straight loss of hole aspect, it just eliminates the hole like that. So as soon as that happens, you have to move on to the next hole and go from there. And so – and. I don't necessarily agree with it because it's two people playing match play. It's 1v1. You should essentially be able to do whatever the hell you want to do. If y'all both y'all want to play for the Red Tees that day, do it. It's fair. Whichever. If y'all want to each give each people putts inside 10 feet, go for it. Whatever y'all two agree on that day, that's the match you can go for. You look your opponent in the eye and you beat them. So, I mean, I think if you want to disqualify both of them, which is technically what the rule should have been, I don't know you guys uh, can reiterate this a little more. That would have been way too damn extreme if you asked me.
1: Yeah, I totally agree. Uh, in match play, you know, it, like you said, it's it's between the guys. The guys, it, it, the only guy you're playing against is the guy in your group. So th- if that guy agrees to whatever you're doing, that guy's trying to beat you. So I don't understand why you would disqualify both of them. I don't even understand why that's a rule. Um, but just like in the, uh, it just we saw like in the Fleetwood match against Bryson. Fleetwood hit it over in the stub and technically Bryson played out of turn, but, but Fleetwood didn't say anything about it because he was just trying to hit and, and, and go, you know, I mean, Fleetwood's down in the Creek, Fleetwood hits it out and technically played out of turn. Uh, Bryson technically played out of turn, but Fleetwood didn't call it on him because it, it, there was no intent to, to, to try to gain an advantage. And so, in this situation, DJ's not trying to gain an advantage. DJ's not going to miss a six-inch putt or whatever it was. But I think in this situation, uh, I, I, if I was Kevin Na, I wouldn't have even said anything about it. But that's just me.
2: Yeah, I know Kevin Na, whenever he was yeah, interviewed think, after the round. I, I just want to, to say Kevin Na's comments after the round. Whenever he was interviewed, he, he said that, he had a short putt upcoming and he said that he didn't want to be thinking about it while he was standing over his putt. So he said the reason that he said something to DJ initially was because he just wanted to get it off his mind so that he could hit his putt. I, I don't really think that Kevin Na or DJ were in the wrong here, assuming that DJ did think that he heard Kevin Na say something. Now, you can always ask to further clarify. Say, hey man, did you did you say this is good? Is this good? You can always ask, but I mean, if DJ really truly did think that he heard him say it, then I don't think he's in the wrong for pulling it back. I also don't think Kevin is in the wrong for just going and saying something to him because Kevin Naught I mean he wasn't trying to get a free hole win out of it. Um so I don't know. What were you gonna say, Taylor? I was gonna say, you know, like you said, Cole, he, he didn't he didn't do
0: it to win the hole. He had a he had a two and a half footer which would have been to tie the hole with it's like, okay, this guy essentially picked up a putt I didn't give him. Why should I have to hit this this two and a half footer to talk? And I think it's going about and and also, the way that Na handled it, right? He had that, uh, what was it, five foot or an 18 to win one up, and he basically did what he did with Tiger when they're in the same, <laughs> same group and picked it up right before it went in the hole. Which and was so ridiculous. Kind of like st- kind you kind of don't show up like that. Oh, it, it's, yeah, I mean, you can go into it just a little bit further on, Sam. Uh, let me finish the point real fast. You know, just of how, you know, especially with what happened on 11, then you do that. It's just kind of like a slap in the face slapped in the face of DJ and um, you know while you know for people who obviously didn't pick DJ and wanted him out of the pool you know that's fantastic and that's great stuff and uh, I mean and there's definitely more rules you want to get into because it's not even the stupidest ruling of the weekend in my opinion by any stretch but um, and uh, you know it's funny Sam because you told me a story off air about how Kevin Noll isn't necessarily the nicest guy out there on tour and so I thought it was funny that that happens right around the same time that you told me that story you know I thought it was for someone who gets a lot of a lot of good credit, and obviously you don't have to share the story if you don't want to, but um, I thought it was funny that someone who had maybe a reputation behind the scenes like that um, was doing something like that. I thought that was kind of funny.
1: Yeah, that story maybe for a different time and place, but I just didn't like I know it's Kevin Naught's thing to walk in putts, but Kevin Naught finished dead last in that group even after beating DJ. He knocked DJ out and with this putt and he walks it in and shows him up that's not, that's an unwritten rule. If I was DJ I would have been so heated I wouldn't even shaken his hand.
2: I loved what Kevin Na did. I loved it walking in the putt. That's Kevin Na. It's on the back of his shirt. That's what he does. It's just that's just Kevin Na being Kevin Na. I don't think he was trying to show up DJ. Now I definitely do think it came across like that because you're playing the number one player in the world and you walk it in on 18. But I mean, Kevin Na walking in putts when he walked in that putt playing with Tiger at the Players. They were in like the, one of the first groups off in the morning on Saturday. Kevin Na doesn't care what the situation is. If Kevin Na hits a five footer and he knows it's going in the hole, Kevin Na is picking it up before it hits the bottom of the cup. That's what makes Kevin Na fun. I love it. I guarantee you Tiger wouldn't have been laughing if they were playing match play and Tiger just
1: got knocked out of his group. And Kevin Na walks in a putt that means absolutely nothing to Kevin Na other than the fact that he just knocked out DJ and then you're going to show the guy up that you just knocked out even though you're dead last. That's, That's typical Kevin
2: Na to me. Money, FedEx Cup points. There were things on the line, Ryder Cup potentially. I mean, there were things on the line for Kevin. Now, nah, he wasn't going to advance out of group play, but he made himself another 50K and got more FedEx cut points. So, anyway, so I, I do, I do I want to get on to the other ruling, though, Taylor, because I know you and I were talking yesterday. You're pretty passionate about what happened with the golf balls being in the water. But if you're in the water in match play and your ball, which is at the bottom of the lake, is closer to the hole than your opponent, then it actually doesn't matter where you drop. Your opponent has to play first. Even if you drop further back, you still have to wait for your opponent to play because technically it's based on where your original ball lies, which in the case of whichever match it was, was at the bottom of the pond. So, Taylor, try to make this make sense for me how if the player who is out – His actual ball is at the bottom of the pond. The other guy goes first. Make make it make sense for me, Taylor.
0: I don't think it can make sense, guys. And uh, I I personally think that the rules official and the rules I think they're wrong. And I'll I'll tell you why. Okay, so two things. One is that Nick Faldo and Paul Azinger, who we both Azinger, we ripped the most, but they're both on there. Have played how many ever Ryder Cups together, and or not together, but you know, in against each other and numerous Ryder Cups. Neither one of them knew this rule because it's not the damn rule. It's not right, okay? Here's my example. If you hit a ball out of bounds and it's further up than the person who's in the fairway, do you have to wait on the person who's in the fairway to hit before you hit your third shot? No, because the ball is out of play when it's out of bounds. The ball is out of play when it's at the bottom of the damn punt. You cannot hit the ball when it is there. The closest spot you can be is wherever your drop is. I understand where the rule comes from in the sense of, let's say, let's say um, a situation happened with Sheffler. Let's say he hit the shot and a plug in the hazard up by the green. So then he could, what? in theory, he would have to wait on Kuchar to hit, and then he could make his selection on what to do. The problem is is that he doesn't have that option because he can't hit the ball because he's at the bottom of the damn park. None of his options are closer to the hole than what Kuchar is. So they talked about I read the rule and it says the ball is essentially the ball that's in play. A ball is not in play when it's at the bottom of the pond. I think the I think the rules officials are wrong on this. I think they I don't even think it's just a misinterpretation of the rules. I think they're legit wrong when they read the rule. Because I read it, it's rule six point four when it talks about order of match play and it talks about the ball that's furthest from the hole. A ball at the bottom of the pond is not in play. That's just plain and simple. It's not in play. I think the rules officials are just blatantly getting it wrong. I don't think it's just a rules. I don't think this one is a rules thing. I think the rules of this one is just wrong. I don't know. Y'all can go into it. I don't know if y'all read the rules much. I mean, I've went into it, and I think they just. I think they're misreading it. That's just me. But y'all, y'all can get into it.
2: Sam, I've actually got the rule in front of yeah, me here. You know, let, me, let, me, let me read the rule real fast, Sam, and then I'm going to come to you. Uh, so the, the golf week's rules right. expert, Ron Gaines, he said that this is a scenario that rarely presents itself. This is on golf week. He said it's determined by where the ball comes to rest, not where it crosses the margin of the penalty. Think of it as a penalty without water. You might go up and see if you can play it. Technically, Kuchar would have been further away. It was the Kuchar-Scheffler match. But then on the very next hole, it happens again uh, on the par three. And it, it just – so it falls under USDA rules rule 6-4, order of play, the rule states, in match play, the order of play is fundamental. If a player plays out of turn, the opponent may cancel that stroke and make the player play again. So, in other words, basically, if Scheffler had played his ball and he'd stiffed it or hold it or something like that, I mean, technically, Kuchar could have nullified that shot and made Scheffler hit again, it, which is, it's just it's a very obscure, weird rule in the game of golf. What were you going to say, Sam? Yeah, I was just going to say, like, we, what we were talking about
1: earlier with the other ruling, it's up to the other guy. And if some other guy made, uh, you know, Scheffler replay that shot, that, that's just not uh, sportsmanlike in my opinion because they're not, like I said, not trying to gain an advantage on them. Uh, I, I, I totally agree with you, T-Dub. So technically, based on this rule – like you said, if you hit a three hundred yard drive into the water and someone else lays up, but you got to lay back behind the guy that lays up, then you have to wait on them to hit first. That, yeah. that doesn't make that doesn't make much sense to me. The rule should be once you drop your ball, that's where your ball's in play.
0: Yeah, and even the thing is too is that if if your only options are further back than the other person then you definitely should have to hit first. And and here's my biggest point from it, guys. That I, I've heard this I've heard this at least five times whenever they're talking about it. They say that this is such an obscure rule, and it hardly ever happens. How the hell is it an obscure rule? How many times has someone hit it in the water in a match? This rule would have to be used at least once every other match for it to happen. How many times has someone hit it in the water by the pond, and then someone else out hits first? This rule is broken at least once every three matches. Yeah if it's true, which is not true. I'm telling you, because like you said, it, it's where the ball lies. The ball is out of play when it's at the bottom of the pond. You do not have a ball in play if it's at the bottom of the pond. It is the exact same as if it's out of bounds. Your options are just different. That's the and, only and, difference. And the rules official when he was saying, oh, well, he could go
1: up and hit it technically if it's barely in the water. Well, once that player decides to drop, then you you go back and you play it and play in order from where you drop.
0: Yeah, it, and I mean, like you it just... said, there's a reason. Go ahead, go ahead, go ahead. No, go ahead, go ahead. Okay, um, I was just gonna say, yeah. I mean, you're hit. There's a reason why you get every congregation of group of people whenever you cross a hazard because you're trying to figure out where the hell the damn ball crossed. So what are you supposed to do? Determine. Let, let, let's say some guy hits it, if, if Kuchar laid up, let's say 30 yards right of the green, and and chef and Shepherd landed just short of the green in the water. So oh, are we supposed to just hypothesize that his ball would have just landed there and actually been 10 yards closer than Kutcher's? So then Kutcher still has to hit his chip shot? It, 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 yeah. it makes no sense. It's not, it's not the right rule. The P.J. Kerr officials, they're damn wrong on this. I promise they are. Because you are the rule, Kobe. It's where the ball lies. The ball is not in play when it's at the bottom of the pot. The ball does not exist anymore. You cannot hit it. It is not an option. One of your options when you're in a hazard is to play the ball if it's there. But you cannot play it at the bottom of the pond. You can't do it. And so it's the, the rules of business are wrong. I, I don't know what to say. I've read six steps for a hundred times. They're wrong. It's just plain wrong. It's not a misinterpretation kind of the rule. It's wrong. And I completely understand. if you're, the, the rule that you read, Colby, is right. If, if you're out of turn and someone hits out of turn, you can make them nullify their shot. You can do that. But the, this interpretation of where the ball comes to rest, if it's at the bottom of the pond, It's just damn wrong because the ball is out of play when it's at the bottom of the hat. And that's that's just the way I see it. And the fact that they come out and say that this rule is obscure and should hardly ever happen, it would happen every other match if it was a legit rule. That's right. I was was
1: just going to say real quick, what else did y'all think about uh, how lucky Kucher? we were just talking about Kucher. How lucky was it that Kucher? Took all the fans, first of all, I was lucky that there was fans. Took all the fans up there, up the hill in the speak match. Found it with 20 seconds left, then got an immovable obstruction drop. That was the most PGA Tour luck- lucky thing I've ever seen. Like, that's the only time that would ever happen is on the PGA Tour.
2: Yeah, and of course it screwed me because I had Spieth in all the pools this week and the one-and-done and just the whole nine yards. So, uh, yeah, that was interesting. A lot of interesting rules things took place this week. Why don't we take a break, come back on the other side. We'll wrap up our analysis of what took place at the WGC this weekend. We'll also check on the opposite field event as well as the Corn Ferry Tour. Everybody stay with us. This is the 73rd Hole, the official podcast of Golf Oklahoma.
3: When something the size of a golf ball hits your roof, you need to call McCray Roofing. McCray Roofing is Oklahoma's designer roofing service specialist. For years, Jeff McCray and the experienced team at McRae Roofing and Exteriors have served fellow Oklahomans by helping them with their roofing needs.
2: Welcome back. Rolling along here on a Monday. Colby Powell, Taylor Williams, Sam Humphreys with you. are the official podcast of Golf Oklahoma. Head over to GolfOklahoma.org. Check out everything that they have to offer. Make sure you follow us on social media as well. 73rd Hole. Search 73rd Hole Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, and you will find us. All right, as we finish to wrap up the WGC here, Billy Horschel takes down Scotty Scheffler in the championship match. Fellas, I'm curious what your biggest surprise and your biggest disappointment of the week is. Obviously, only one of the top 16 seats, make it out of group play, so there are a lot of options for biggest disappointment of the week. Let's start with you, Sam. Hit me with your biggest surprise and your biggest disappointment at the match play. Well
1: I got two I got two big surprises that I can't choose between, but I'm gonna have to go with Brian Harman. I mean Brian Harmon, if this was a stroke play event, would have run away with it. And then not only was he like fifteen under after the first after group play, then he made eight straight birdies uh in the in the match against Bubba Watson, I mean, it was unbelievable golf that Brian Harmon and Scott Toy were playing out there. Really impressive stuff. Uh, and then I got to go with my biggest disappointment, uh, Jason Day. I mean, Jason Day with two losses, one win uh, on a course that he loves. I thought that he would have definitely a better week than that. And Scotty Scheffler out of his group actually ends up going and making it all the way to the finals. And then uh, also my, my other surprise, that I was gonna say was McIntyre, Bobby Mack making it out of the uh, of Group One with Dustin Johnson. I thought that that was not even comprehensible to happen before the week, but you know that's match play, March Madness.
0: Yeah, no, I mean that, that's a definition of match play. Like I said, it's even crazier when you get down to golf, and I, I agree. I think I think old Bob McIntyre was a uh, was definitely a long shot. Who knows if if the Kevin Na, DJ Match goes differently, DJ makes it out of there potentially. Um, I'll be honest with you guys, my biggest surprise. I had mentioned it on on our previous show. I thought the group of death, the quote unquote group of death, was overrated. But Friday, Friday, we had a match between Kutcher and Kisner to get to the round of sixteen. JT and Louis, my picks, they had both they were both zero and two. Which I thought I thought it was kind of funny how they um, they send out there was I think two or three matches where both guys were zero and two, and they send them out the first two or three matches before anyone else. So I thought that was pretty funny. They're like, "Hey, get get your ass off the course so we can get everyone and, else out there that matters." And. I- that was, ahead, that was a
1: big win for Kucher. That was a big win for
0: Kucher because Kevin Kisner had won eight straight matches in this tournament before that. Eight straight—that's crazy, isn't it? Eight straight matches in match play. I mean, we talk about how volatile it is. That's pretty crazy. And you know, go down to—that's that, kind of my biggest surprise there, guys. I didn't think Kucher would make it near as far as he did. Going to know some of my bigger letdowns, guys. I mean, obviously, I mentioned the same group, Louis, who I picked. He went zero and three. Um, so that's not very good. Guy who I thought. Would do well in his group, led to and He went zero and three. Another guy, Vic Corey Connors. he went zero and three. And when I say zero and three, this, you, there's no halves here. You're, you're getting, you're getting beat every match. Zero and three. You're not even getting half the point. It's just a disgrace. And so, you know, if I had, to, I would go with with those guys as being my surprises, just because these were three guys who I thought were playing good golf going into the, the week. And you know, honestly, I'll, I'll throw the big, my the biggest surprise out of all those because those were a little less names. The guy who we both liked, Sam Terrell, Hatton, he went 0-2 yeah. two in his group. Um, Sergio, it was Sergio and Westwood. Essentially, they they were the only two who had a chance. Um, Hatton was out of it after day two after he lost to Sergio. I think he'd be my biggest surprise to not to only get half of a point out of that group playing against Westwood, who wasn't who had had a horrible tournament at the Honda, and then Matt Wallace, the guy who was very analytically not not hyped to win and not playing, hadn't been playing a little bit better but not particularly. I think Hatton's probably my biggest surprise out of those three or four names that I mentioned. Who are yours, Colby?
2: Yeah, I think my biggest surprise probably would be Victor Perez. And not because I didn't think he would have a good week. I actually picked him to come out of his group, but I did not see some sort of final four run on the horizon for Victor Perez. He was competitive uh, in his last couple of matches as well. So Victor Perez was a big surprise for me. As far as disappointments go, guys, I really thought Colin Morikawa was going to have a pretty good week. The the eventual champion of the tournament actually comes out of Morikawa's group in Billy Horschel, and Morikawa goes 0-2-1. So I was disappointed uh, with Morikawa. And I'll be honest, guys, I was uh, I was a little, little disappointed with Dustin Johnson. I thought Dustin Johnson, start of the week, I mean, it was him, Kevin Naught, Robert McIntyre, and Adam Long. I, I thought that that should be a pretty easy group for DJ. And, and the only reason I'm throwing him out as a disappointment is because, I don't know if y'all realize this or not, he won this event in 2017, and he has not made it out of group play since. And I mean, DJ's a world beater, so for him to not make it out of group play, uh, the Three ensuing times that this tournament has been played after he won it is very surprising to me. So, uh, all in all, a great tournament. Really exciting the first few days. Excitement kind of wanes on the weekend, which is why we don't get more of these. Uh, but still a good tournament.
0: What, one, uh, one surprise I'll throw out there to you guys is maybe the biggest surprise I'm looking at here. Mackenzie Hughes. Yeah. Coming out of the group of Webb Simpson, Paul Casey, and our boys PG. Taylor yeah. I know TG didn't have the week that he wanted, but for McKenzie, he used to come out two zero and one with only a tie in there. Um, beat uh, I, I can't remember how the match panned out, but um, you know to beat Webb and, and Paul Casey, who was my pick in the group play. Um, obviously, Webb Simpson was as uh, a top sixteen seed, and Paul Casey was the best, uh, essentially two seed out of any group. And then we know how good of a uh, match player TG can be. So for McKenzie, he used to come out of that group, I think that that's one of the biggest surprises to me there, just because of the other three guys that he was in the group with.
1: Yeah, and, and I, I was really interested in uh, how Bubba Watson ended up making a little run after Patrick Reed had a hot start in that group. Uh, and and, and <laughs> I have one more surprise, but this is just one hole. It was the most amazing hole I've ever seen in match play. Webb Simpson, I, I think it was on the second, first or second day, Webb Simpson hits it about one one foot short of the water chumps it, totally lays the sod over it, barely gets over oh, the car hits there. the cart pass, goes through a bush, hits the down slope, barely misses the microphone, rolls to 20 feet, and he rolls in the putt for birdie. <laughs> that's Matt's play in a nutshell.
2: Yeah, that's the definition
1: I mean, I was of at that, with play. You, Sam.
0: that was, Yeah, I, I just want to paint the picture a little bit more. I mean, he has like 160 yards, man. He's hitting off of a pine straw. He's literally a foot in front of the pond. So how the ball didn't roll in the pond, Lord knows. Chunks it, I mean, horribly knows it chunks it, hits the cart path 50 yards short of the green, hops up, lands in the native grass, hops out of the native grass, rolls down, rolls through the rough, runs past the, the little microphones they have by the greens and the cord extension, runs past all that onto a green, and, and there's water left of the green. Let, let me mind you this. So, I mean, there's so many things that can go wrong here, and, and Web Simpson just pulls it off. One more interesting shot, i get get something to take before we move on to the other events. What in the world was Horschel doing in that semifinal
2: match on that par five? That's a great question. I have no idea. I have no idea what he said. Oh, doing.
0: What, what, was it the third shot? Is that what it was when he was trying to punch an iron and he made like it looked like he was trying to punch it under a tree in the middle of the fairway? Looked like your hybrid punch s shot back from high school. He
2: said after the round, he said that he was okay. trying to just he keep like it low like, chunk hooked it. Yeah, he said he was trying to keep it low and that he didn't commit to it because he pulled the wrong club. He said it was a wrong club and he didn't commit to it. And he just – he was laughing at himself about it after the round because it – I mean, it's truly one of the most atrocious shots you'll ever see a professional hit.
0: But it's a, and, okay, I, I, and,
1: oh Yeah, I was just going to say, not just that shot, but in, on 16 of the final, he flew the green from 108, got lucky that ball didn't plug on yeah. him, and then ended up getting it
0: up and down to basically win the tournament. No doubt that was clutch. It was clutch. And you know, just going back to even that, that horse, it's so funny because normally when a pro hits a shot and they let go of the club, you can't really see what it's doing because Horso kept it so low. You could see he started at fifty yards off line fifteen yards while the ball was in the air. It was just screaming right for the tree. It never had a chance. It it was a it was a beautiful thing to see. And you like you said, Kobe's talking afterwards, kinda of like we do, just of oh, I didn't trust it commit to it, <laughs> and it just shows BJT golfers just like us regular golfers from time to time.
2: Yeah, just like it us, was only so part
1: left, Victor Perez and his caddy had to move out of the way.
2: Yeah. Yeah, I mean it was it was not even remotely online. Uh, our one and done picks for the week I had Sergio and Spieth. so that was a decent little T nine T sixteen or T nine T five there uh, for Spieth and Sergio. Taylor, you had Neiman and Ustazen, and Sam had Day and Hatton. Uh, so Taylor's still well out in front for the season. I chipped away a little bit, but Taylor's at about four point seven mil. I'm at two mil, and then Sam is at about one point three mil. So that's where we stand in one and done DraftKings this past week. I had it coming down to Scheffler and Horschel. There's one other guy in our DraftKings pool who had Horschel. I had Scheffler. I was down by one point going into the finals, so I needed Scheffler to win that match, and he did not. So another runner-up in DraftKings this week. Fellas, there was some other really good golf play. Let's start with the opposite field event in Punta Cana. The devil's elbow, the finish coming in. I don't know if you all watched any of that. It was brutally windy every day. It always is. And I was actually really happy to see that Joel Damon came out on top, ends up winning it by one over Rafael Campos and Sam Ryder. Joel Damon on Twitter has made himself really likable. He, he's the, the guy that whenever he misses a cut somewhere, like a few weeks ago he missed the cut at Bay Hill, he hops on Twitter and uh, he's like, hey guys, thought I had a tee time tomorrow. Turns out I don't. Who, who's got a game that I can play tomorrow on Saturday? And he just goes out and plays with locals at, at tournaments that he misses the cut. I really like Joel Damon uh, and I was happy to see him win. Sam, what would you think?
1: Oh, I thought that was great. and the, His reaction afterwards, uh, crying with his caddy and his wife. That was pretty cool to see. Um, Sam Ryder, obviously, playing some good golf last week and this week. Um, and then I got to give a shout-out to my guy, Michael Glitz. He it's... Uh, Gliggs man. I played a bunch of Fortnite with him. He, he's a Canadian who has a lot of talent. Uh, he, he's the man, and uh, and it was good to see Gliggs get a top five finish too.
0: Yeah, right. Absolutely. It's always good to see uh, close people, you know, And you know, like you mentioned Sam Ryder, he's been playing so well. We kind of make fun of his slow play at the Honda, but it's getting him tied seconds and, and high finishes. So, however you got to do it, go about it. And you know, one of the things that we had we had mentioned a lot, guys, about Joe Damon is you know he, he's just brutally honest, right? He's one of those people where he's, there's not really much of a filter on him, which I love. I mean, he he, he was the one who came out and called um, was it Sun Kang? Then he called a cheater. I, I don't want I want to make sure I'm not it was the name it was Sun Kang here. Sun Kang, yeah. So basically, come out slightly calling him a cheater you know most of us would have just said do your thing man go for it but he's sticking to his guns and going with what he believes in so i love that and you know like you mentioned on one of the um, other podcasts that he was on guys was the fact of you know the guys out there they you know if they miss or make a putt on 18 they're they're looking to see how much that money's worth and and how much how important that was fedex cut points money status all that stuff and so for a um I made, I don't know if Damien fits into the veteran category yet, but definitely the grinder category for sure. And to see a grinder get out there and get get the win um at twelve under, you know, I mean it was a close race, guys. I mean there was two guys at eleven under, major champion Graham McDowell down there at ten under, um two guys playing really well, defending champion Hudson Squaffer and me on Grillo were down there at nine under. So I mean I mean it was it was a close race, guys. And um, you know, some of the local guys I know Peter Uline finished T twenty two. Um, Chucky 3 T28. Um, so there were some good finishes. Um, our boy Rian Gibson was able to make the cut, um, getting in the event. So, so some good Oklahoma flavor there. We had a little bit more good Oklahoma flavor on the Corn Ferry tour, but, um, but yeah, I'm really happy for Joe Damon because he is one of the more, more likable guys on the tour, in my opinion, gentlemen.
2: Yeah, and Joel Damon, Taylor, I think, like you said, I think he can be qualified as a veteran grinder. He's 33 years old. This was his first tour win. You know, he he made headlines four or five years ago because somebody was asking him about winning, and he's like, look, winning's great, but if I can play out here for 20 years, making a million and a half a year, it's not a bad life whether I win or not. But I, I know that it meant a lot for him to get this first win, so it was cool to see that from Joel Damon. Uh, and then, guys, how about the, the prime event of the week for the local guys was on the Corn Ferry. Tour tour where Max McGreevy you know he 65 67 69 he's trying to go wire to wire that's a lot of pressure uh, to do that on the corn ferry tour Adam Svensson catches him with a Sunday 66 they go into a playoff Svensson birdies the second playoff hole a par five so Max McGreevy ends up runner up losing in the playoff but Taylor Moore friend of the show he comes in solo six uh, Kevin Doherty was in there T16 at 12 under so it was a, a big week particularly for Max McGreevy and Taylor Moore Sam what do you think about about the way those guys played on the corn Ferry tour
1: awesome play by max um I, I don't have it pulled up in front of me where that would put him as far as the top 25 go but it was a great week for max even though he didn't get it done in the playoffs, um it's always great to see these guys like max and taylor moore have success it's just a matter of time before we see them out on tour on a regular basis because these guys have all the talent in the world and we've been you know since they were six years old out here in Oklahoma and so um I'm super excited that people are finally, you know, getting to see a little
0: bit of their success on a national level. Yeah, there's no doubt about that. And you know, like like you said, Sam, we've kind of been been blessed to have a front row seat to to some of these guys and their progressions. I mean I mean we talk about all the Oklahoma guys on the tour now and you know, like for example, we we grew up and we saw Taylor Gooch play growing up and next thing you know he's in the he's in the match play this year. I mean, that's, that's just cool to see things like that, you know, and, and not to mention that too. you, know, like, like you mentioned, Sam, with, with Oklahoma and golf, you know, we're just, it doesn't matter how long, you, you know, each other, whatever, you know, we're all close, right? Like, we're all good guys. We all want each other to succeed. We never, I mean, I can't think of anyone I grew up with that I ever wanted to root against, right? I never wanted them to not have success. So, um, even people that went to Edmond North, like you, Sam, who we wanted to dominate in high school, <laughs> you know, you want, you still want them to succeed once, once you get later down the road, just because. You know, deep down, even even me, even the husky symbol can't uh, can't shadow how nice the guys y'all are. So, and I, I just want to shout out. You know, obviously, obviously, I know Max, and he's a great guy. He lost to Adam Spence, who went to uh, went to Barry College. We played a lot of golf against Barry, um, Oklahoma Christian. Did Adam was Adam, I never played with him in the group, but a phenomenal player Adam is, and um, really good for him as well. Wish he would have beat someone besides Max in a playoff. But still, good for him. And and on board Taylor Moore. I mean, I I just love Taylor to death. Um, he ended up going. Unfortunately, he was on fire. He was six under through fourteen holes, um, fifteen holes actually. And then um, bo- and then bogeyed sixteen and eighteen was a par five that he wasn't able to birdie. Ended up losing by two. So I think that may be something that stings with him just a little bit. But at the same time, we all know that the most of the time, your best lessons are the ones where you don't get the job done. So I think this is going to be something. That propels him even further, gentlemen, and just some other local names here. Kevin Doherty finished 16th in the event, and um, I had at least one or two more. Uh, Tyrone Askew, and from um, o- Oklahoma City, finished uh, made the cut, and Josh Krill as well made the cut. And I may have missed one in there. If I did, I apologize. But but man, guys, Oklahoma o- Oklahoma guys, they're they're not because before it was they were just making the cuts and kind of contending. Now we got guys in playoffs, losing tournaments, finishing top five and six. And they're just progressing in the right direction. And I don't know about y'all, but it really warms my heart to see see these guys playing so well.
2: Yeah, it's a ton of fun to watch. Just let me, season-long points race, Sam, you brought that up. So Taylor Moore this week moved from 70th to 59th in the season-long points race. And Max McGreevy this week moved from 19th to 11th. And obviously top 25 is where you want to be. So Max McGreevy comfortably in the top 25 right now. And Taylor Moore trying to work his way in.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And, um, obviously while we were mentioning local guys, I I mentioned Brian Harmon earlier, uh, but I didn't mention the fact obviously with uh, with uh Scott Toy on the back, that's the local flavor. Um, but with his play in the match play this week that also qualified him for the Masters based on his world ranking. Yeah. And so that was huge for Brian Harmon.
2: Yeah, big time. Big time stuff for Brian Harmon and for Scott Toy. I, I, yeah, go ahead, Tyler.
0: Oh, I was just going to say, I, I, I love seeing that from from Brian. And, you know, like we always mention, guys, we talk about how how it's coming to a distance game and it's just bombers. And Brian can hit it far. I mean, he's 5'7", so he hits it about as far as he can for his height. But he's not known for that. He's known for his short game, his putting. He's known for having one of the best, best caddies out there in turn, Scott's way. So, um, I mean, just just fabulous stuff to see him getting the Masters. And, you know, sneaky left-handers like to get around that place because they're able to fade it. Brian Harmon might might be a sneaky might be a sneaky shot at Augusta, even though he doesn't have a whole lot of experience there. But he also went to college in Georgia. Let's not forget that.
2: Yeah, no doubt. Uh, all right, fellas, give me your final thoughts on the weekend of golf. WGC Corn Ferry, everything. Taylor, we'll start with you. Final thoughts, wrapping up this weekend of golf. Man, man, I I don't even know where to start, honestly. Um, first thing, just shout out to all the all of our
0: friends and local guys that are playing well. It just really warms my heart, and I know that, uh, for example, either Max and Taylor, who are on the Corn Ferry now, they'll be on the PGA Tour very soon, so just be patient, guys, and y'all be out there. And, you know, unfortunately, I would love to say that the match play was just an outstanding, stellar event, and it really was. It was great entertainment, but I think that, not even necessarily the uh, the Kevin Nall rule situation, because I've seen that happen before, but this horrible, horrible misinterpretation of this match play rule of the hazard, I think, is it, it, it's really bad. It really is, because if it is, if that is the rule, it needs to be rewritten because it's not written like that. And everyone who plays a match play match has violated that rule at one time or another. So that's really what I take away from it, guys. I don't know. Kind of like Sam mentioned earlier, it may just be an effect because this happened on Sunday, and like Antoine Rosner beating Bryson felt like it happened eight years ago now. So I don't know if that just has something to do with it. But um, but yeah, that's kind of what I'm taking away, and just. You know, just another year of the fact that what do you say, Colby, one of the top sixteen seeds made it through to to match play. And I mean it just it it's crazy to think about. So you do that and twenty five percent of people you would think one out of four would make it. Only one of the top sixteen players make it. It's just such a volatile tournament and it goes to show why running out the big dogs in, in your pools, especially one and done, is wasn't necessarily worth it. I mean, of course was the thirtieth ranked player in the world or whatever, so that that that's great. Um but yeah, like running out like DJ or JT isn't going to get you anywhere. And so I think this is another example of how such a volatile tournament. And I think that in the future, I'd love to see more match play tournaments. I just think there's a better way that you can implement the, kind of eliminate as much volatility as, as there is now. But we'll go in the, into that into on a later show, guys. So what are your final points, Sam?
1: What I took away from this week is that we are now officially one week away from Masters Week. And And last week, in the match play, two weeks away from Augusta, you had Sergio play great golf, former winner. Bubba Watson, former winner, playing great golf. Jordan Spieth, former winner, playing great golf. I think we got a lot to look forward to, plus Rom, he would be my favorite. But we don't know if he's going to be there. It's going to be interesting, boys. We're only one week away from Masters Week, and I cannot wait.
2: That is a great takeaway, Sam. Well said. Cannot wait for the Masters next week. Uh, My my biggest takeaway from this weekend is just how much better all these guys are on tour than just the best guy at any of your local clubs. I saw a shot this weekend in Potacana. It was 156-yard par 3, but the wind's blowing directly in at him off the ocean. Thomas Peters pulled out a 5-iron from 156, brought it back to about his ribs, and chipped it, literally hit it like a chip shot from 156 with a 5-iron. hit it like 12 feet into the wind. Just the shots that these guys have, I continued to watch guys get in trouble over and over and over again at the match play. Just kept getting themselves in bad spots, and they were making pars. It was just over and over again. Scotty Scheffler yesterday in the final match hooks it over against a boundary fence, has to take an unplayable drop and, and lay up in the fairway, gets it up and in for par. These guys are just so, so good, and there was such high-quality golf played this weekend across all tours, and I just continue to be Uh, in amazement at the shots that some of these guys can pull off. So another great week of golf. We're back tomorrow to preview the Valero Texas Open. Big tournament for a lot of guys. Last chance to get a miracle win and get into Augustus. We'll be bringing you that tomorrow. Make sure you head over to GolfOklahoma.org. Check out everything that they've got to offer. Thanks for listening once again to the 73rd Hole, the official podcast of Golf Oklahoma.